Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I was kind of a minority within a minority back then. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation. Because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of biomedical engineering. Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Um, It's quite an unusual setup, this whole anonymous kind of format that I have. Um, How did you feel about it being anonymous? Um, I'm kind of excited because I feel like uh, as a a student um, at my university, I kind of hold a lot of leadership positions where a lot of people think that they know who I am and uh, kind of what I deal with on a regular basis. So um, I'm interested to see uh, kind of what I get to talk about without having to worry about uh, who hears it. Yeah, I um, I did a talk today in a school and it was um, year 12. So I guess like 15, 16 year olds. And um, it's so incredible how much we care about what other people think and uh, often how we're judged by other people kind of makes us think that's who we are. And it's so like... I don't know. It's just so sort of unhealthy, but we all do it. I definitely did it when I was your age. How has that been? Like, do you think that you're very much like that or not so much like that? Yeah, I would say I've definitely experienced um, a lot of, I think, self-inflicted pressure to be who I thought other people expected me to be. Um, And it's kind of taken me a while to realize that I was even doing that. Um, and I actually had a couple a discussion with a friend of mine uh, not too long ago um, that kind of just talked. We were talking about how women in engineering almost have this extra pressure to yeah. do more, succeed more, um, be more leader, like be more of a leader um, just to have credibility. Um, and I think that that's very true, even on the university setting. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what is the sort of percentage of boys versus girls men versus women on your course I would say um, within biomedical engineering it's actually probably one of the most diverse disciplines at my university Um, we're actually probably about 40 percent women Um, oh wow other disciplines are definitely not that way Um, mechanical being probably one of the worst one of the uh, worst yeah yeah Um, so that's kind of where I've taken a lot of my other courses and it's interesting to see the flip, uh, (laughs) 
of those two differences. And are you very aware of the differences? Like, do you feel that sense of being different in your mechanical engineering classes versus your biomed? Um, I would say probably in my earlier years, more so. Um, I had actually come from an all-girls high school, so the flip to having my classes being primarily all uh, male-dominated, whereas uh, you know I'd come, come from an all-female background, um, it was definitely more uh, noticeable then. Um, and I would say, uh, like, I would have math classes where I would be one of two or three um, mm. females and you know we would all kind of sit together in the front of the room and, yeah um, you know and if you know we we did well or asked questions people kind of sometimes would roll their eyes or whatever it was but yeah it was like you kind of have something to prove when you're one of few yeah yeah definitely I mean even today after my talk in this school um a girl came up to me and she's doing maths, further maths, physics, DT. I mean, all the very technical subjects. And uh, she said she's the only girl in her further maths class. And she said she gets bullied a lot, actually, because of who she is and being female. And um, my heart really went out to her because what she doesn't realize right now, and I hope this changes very soon, is that she's amazing because she's so unique and um you know we're often made to feel bad for being different when actually it's a real strength I agree with you I think like something that I bring to the table that a lot of people that I've met that are kind of I guess on like equal par academically leadership wise um is that I kind of can see the underdog and like I strive to go out of my way to help others succeed um like I kind of like I have you know several women that um, I work with on different teams and um, a lot of times they're they'll come up to me and say like how do you do it like how do you juggle all of the things that you do and um, I really think that having like knowing that I'm not doing it just for myself and that I'm doing it to help others be able to be successful um, kind of drives me to motivate me every day to continue to get up even when I'm discouraged or um, and I kind of look to role models that are in the industry as well. And um, it's really encouraging that I'm kind of coming into the industry at an age where people say that they care about diversity and inclusion. Um, at least, you know, on statistics and numbers, <laughs> uh, corporate policy. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting that you're aware of that, because um, I wouldn't have thought that you would have an appreciation of how difficult it has been for women in STEM in the past. Like, it's really awesome that you can see that there is a real push to encourage women into STEM. Right. How do you know about that? Ooh, I mean, every single large company that you, that I'm looking into right now has something Mm -hmm. on their front page of their website that talks about, oh, we're on this list for being one of the best top 100 diversity and inclusion workplaces for women. And um, I think it's definitely prevalent. Uh, I can see it now that people are starting to care. Yeah. Um, And again, if it's, it's kind of one of those mindsets that it has to start from the top down, Mm. but I think, um, I think really it's going to come from 
you know, families being raised to not see those differences. Yeah. Um, and that's when we'll actually see a, you know, we don't have to advertise that anymore because it's just regular. It's just yeah. normal for yeah. everyone to kind of see each other as equal. Yeah. And I think that it's definitely a far ways off, but um, We're eventually there. we'll get there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so tell me about your story. How did you end up in STEM? Okay. Uh, so I was kind of always interested more so in the math and sciences growing up. Um, I, I think my father had a very large influence on that. Um, he kind of, from a young age, was, you know, drilling me on like multiplication facts and that kind of thing. Uh, and he was very encouraging uh, to me and like not being afraid to be good at math. Um, so that was kind of the first step that made me realize like I didn't have to, you know, only be good at English and reading because that's what girls were good at. You know, how I think that that was something that uh, was definitely like a mindset of some people mm. um, when I was growing up. But that was kind of the beginning of it. <laughs> Why was your dad so radically different? I think he definitely just could see that he wanted the best for me and he's kind of always pushed me to be better than, um, I don't know. I think, I think he just better than the stereotypes. Yeah. Like just to not be afraid to be good at something, Mm. um, and not be afraid to like kind of like show that off. Um, and I think he's just was a very encouraging man. Uh, and I owe a lot to my success to that, but he also, the balance was really cool because it was never, um, you know, if I didn't do well on a test, it was never, oh, you should have done this or you could have studied more. It was, okay, what did you learn and how can you be better next time? And it was always very encouraging. And I think that that's why I've been able to stay excited about learning about uh, engineering and um, not being put down whenever I do quote unquote fail something. Yeah. Um, it's so important yeah. to have a good relationship with failure. Um, I just really feel like failure teaches us so much and it shouldn't be feared or uh, resisted. You know, obviously we don't want to fail all the time. We want right. to get things right. But when we do get things <laughs> wrong, it's okay. It sounds like that was the kind of message your dad really pushed. Is he in STEM? Uh, yes, he's a physician assistant. Ah, okay. So would you say that he was your biggest influence? I would say early on, definitely. Um, he, it was for him, I think he always wanted me to be a doctor. And then um, I realized that I needed to want to be a doctor, not him. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Congratulations on having that realization. <laughs> yeah, that really? was a fun time. Um, but yeah, I actually ended up... Why did you say that? I think... Uh, you know, just having, having him being such a large influence on my life for a very long time, it was hard for me to tell him, um, like his goals for me weren't the same as mine for myself. Mm. Um, and those, that kind of same pressure kind of came into a lot of different decisions on where I went to school and what I was going to study, um, where I was going to live. But I think now, um, he knows, or he's been able to see that, you know, he put he gave me a great foundation for me to be able to make my own decisions and to contribute in ways that I'll be most effective, um, and actually enjoy my life. So 
uh, it was a <laughs> how did you get to know yourself so well <laughs> and what I mean by that is how did you get to know what you wanted what was good for you what was best yeah for you? that was I think that that's kind of an always ongoing process um definitely but I would say for me probably one of the biggest things um that helped me realize all of that was uh taking some time to really just kind of remove myself from everything that I felt that I was influenced by. So I had a really awesome opportunity to move away for a summer um, where I didn't know anyone, (laughs) which was terrifying to me because I've kind of grown up always knowing people, having friends and family around, um, being in the same state most of my life. Um, And then I had an opportunity to move over 20 hours away. And I really had to, um, um, far enough to where it was out of reach. Uh, so I think that that and really taking time intentionally to journal every day was something that, um, kind of made me get out of my own headspace and put it into words, um, and being intentional. How old were you when this was happening? Um, I was 20. Okay. 20, you know, 21, 21. So it was really... So still pretty young. Yeah, and it was a real time to, you know, you're not a teenager anymore and you're kind of stepping into adulthood. And it sounds like it was a really important time for you to really get to know you. Right. It was it was interesting. I actually I got coffee with someone one day uh, the summer before that happened and they asked me, um, you know, what do you like to do like outside of school? And I didn't have an answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I genuinely couldn't say that I knew what I like to do by myself without, you know, a significant other or a friend or a family. And I was like, whoa, I really need to, to have an answer to that. Um, in that moment, I kind of realized, like, I really needed to take that time to figure that out. Mm. So how long did you take? Ooh, it was probably at least a year. Um, because going from a mindset where you kind of depend on um, being around other people or, you know, staying busy with the work that you have, uh, that you're trying to, you know, be the best at, <laughs> um, that can be very time consuming. And so taking, making conscious decisions to step away from that and to, you know, figure out what I can, I like to do by myself. Um, it took a lot of practice and, you know, it started maybe to be like once a week and then it would be maybe once a day. And then it was finally, you know, more frequent that I could actually decide for myself, what I wanted to do (laughs) and it sounds so simple but it was it was hard for a while yeah I mean it does sound really simple (laughs) and really weird as a kind of thing that people need to do but I couldn't agree more like it's so essential to do that kind of work on yourself to really get to know who you are because it makes you so much more confident and um esteemable to know what makes you tick and so when you are around people um that kind of are not sure about your skills or 
not sure that you can deliver or perform at work or school or wherever, like, you know what you're capable of. Right. And it's kind of like, it's really interesting that you talk about this because in my school's talk today, I was saying, you know, really get to know yourself and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, at the same time, I was thinking, I wonder if my audience are wondering how to do that. Because I know that I did that over a very, very long period of time. Like, you're actually lucky that at 20 or 21, you sat down for a year and really <laughs> focused on you. Because for me, I've kind of done it sporadically over uh, years and years and years. And I feel like I'm kind of there now in sort of knowing what makes me tick. But I've taken a long time to get there, whereas you sound like you're kind of there. (laughs) I think that I definitely have more room to grow. um, But I think I was almost so much on the other extreme that I had to force myself to do it quickly. Otherwise, I would have been very just overall unhappy and unsure of myself. Mm. So I think that it's a different time frame for everyone. And um, at different points in your life, you realize that. Yeah, I think Um, that's really true. Like everyone has their own journey through life and uh, there's no right, there's no wrong it just is what it is. You're ready for certain things when you're ready and you can't really force things. I was going to ask you actually, like what advice, first of all, do you think it is essential that people do the kind of work on themselves that you did when you were 21? Oh, definitely. I think that in order for somebody to really be able to like give, I guess, and whether that's in engineering or the STEM field or just to a, to society in general, you have to know what you're capable of as well as what you can, what you can give without, um, straining yourself too much. Because Mm. I think that I've, I kind of have a tendency to overwork or overextend, um, because that's what I like to do. Like I like to be there for other people, but, um, it, if you, if you do too much, then, you wear yourself out to where you have nothing to give anyone (laughs) and you can't take care of yourself. So uh, I think that it's really important to learn what that balance is for people and what helps you to recharge. Um, And whether that's, you know, introverted, introverted people might need to, you know, spend a day at home by themselves. Whereas uh, extroverted people might need to go out and go to a coffee shop and talk to people for a while. Um, I think that it's just important to kind of take that time to know what helps you recharge. Oh, so wise. Can't believe it. Um, <laughs> so what are the ways um, you would say uh, work for you in terms of recharging? Because like for me, recharging does mean spending some time on my own, meditation, talking to friends that know me really, really well, spending time with my family and my other half. and you know, just, you know, just being quiet and serene. Um, what ways would you suggest? Yeah, I would say that, that, that a lot of those are very similar to how I recharge just because my lifestyle is pretty busy and go, go, go. Um, so a lot of times one of my favorite things to do is to to go outside mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah, um, I enjoy yeah. nature whenever I kind of need to 
really get away. Um, I was uh, mountains preferred, but that's not always accessible. So um, I typically will find a little park or something and uh, take a coffee and a good book and or a journal and hammock or something like that. And um, I always, even if it's the middle of a stressful week, if I take that time to be but by myself for an hour or so, it's weird how much energy you can feel after taking a little bit of time away. Mm. And actually, you know, you've hit the nail on the head when you talk about sort of just spending time alone, because I think when people think about the concept of getting to know oneself, um, they think they've got to go and do something specific, like they've got to go travel, they've got to go on a kibbutz, they've got to, you know, uh, take a gap year, um, work in an orphanage, uh, you know, I don't know, just there has to be a specific task. But actually, in anything that you choose to do, which will teach you about yourself, it's really actually just doing it alone. Right. You know, I- taking yourself on an adventure yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, even if it's as simple as, um, I don't know, like going out to eat by yourself. I think a lot of people yeah. are afraid to do that because in the society that we live in, you know, it's like, oh, why are you alone? And yeah. you know, if you're alone, do you have to be on your phone the whole time? Or, <laughs> yeah. or because you're worried about what people are looking at you, thinking, um, yeah. and that just that's kind of been another fun thing that I think that I've challenged myself to do sometimes is just be alone in public (laughs) and not try to act like you're busy or waiting on someone or um, that's kind of a fun way to see how you think and how you react. And it makes sense because essentially you're essentially you're becoming comfortable with just being with yourself and all the sort of like right. video games and hanging with friends and going to parties and, you know, um, doing a hobby or whatever. It's all ways of kind of not spending time with just yourself. Um, and like I, we sound quite similar actually, because I absolutely love just being in nature. <laughs> and I love that feeling you get when you're in nature and you just feel so small and you realize how big the planet is and how beautiful and how full of wonder um the the planet is and you know it's very humbling yes i'd agree so you were saying that you um were doing well at stem subjects um what made you choose biomedical engineering Ooh, so that's kind of a fun story um so i was kind of mentioned how my dad kind of always pushed me to be a doctor and that's kind of what I thought I wanted to do for a while because of, you know, how much of an influence he had on my life. And, um, then I actually, I was playing high school sports and, uh, ended up injuring myself and had to have, um, surgery on my hip. Oh wow! And, um, yeah, so going through that process and, you know, talking to the physician and physical therapist, um, I realized like how interesting I thought uh, the medical technology side of things was. Like I was fascinated by how MRIs worked and um, the kinds of surgical instruments that they would use to fix me. And um, I was just fascinated by the fact that uh, there was just so much that went into um, providing healthcare. 
And um, I think as a, like me as a human, I kind of talked about how much I care about people and how much I want to help them live better lives. And um, that kind of made me realize that my calling wasn't necessarily to be a doctor, but to influence people in more of an indirect way um, through the uh, biomedical engineering field. So, um, mm. partic- so it was out of a bit of pain and suffering <laughs> that you realized your true purpose. Yeah, I would say that's a good way to put it. Um, I, I think that um, I realized that there's a large gap between communicating between um, people who know what they're talking about and people who don't. <laughs> uh, like, and specifically for physician to patient relationships, I felt like that was something that, um, you know, me as a high school student, I had no idea what was happening, but um, I think that there could be better ways to communicate uh, to people to make them feel more comfortable or to realize their different options. And um, I just think that with biomedical engineering and with the healthcare field in general, there's a lot of gaps that need to be bridged between um, communication, between technical expertise and uh, the layperson, because ultimately that's who you're here to serve. And um, I think that it's the engineer and the doctor and uh, the nurse and all of those people's responsibility to make sure that people are informed and people receive the best quality um, healthcare that they Definitely. can. So how's it turning out? Like, what's it like being a student? <laughs> um, I would say it's been very eye-opening to realize the differences between what my, like, uh, imagined um scenario was for like the medical device industry and uh, ultimately everything is a business so um, you know you have to make decisions that weigh in from a business perspective like how to cut costs but still provide um, quality products and meet customer demands and um, sometimes having to make really difficult decisions um, from a financial or a quality standpoint. Um, and that's uh, one thing that I think that I didn't really think about until I had actually had some exposure to the medical device industry. Um, whereas being a student is more research focused and more thinking about um, innovation and how, what's the next big thing and understanding different processes. And um, I think that there's a, a large gap between the two um, and the more that I'm experiencing, the more I'm really realizing like the limitations of both, mm. um, and how it's going to be a major challenge for both to kind of come together to have the, you know, the ultimate goal of, you know, quick innovation that's still cost effective and, you know, providing new solutions to people. Um, so I think it's going to be an interesting uh, field for me to be a part of and I'm very excited f- to see what the future holds. So cool. So it sounds as though you're really sort of <laughs> wanting to blaze a bit of a trail in biomedical engineering. You're sort of identifying the gaps and want to fill them. Yeah I've never really thought about it that way but 
I mean, that's not badass to be like saying, oh, you know, I, I see problems <laughs> in biomed and I'm going to sort of, I want to change yeah. that. It's pretty amazing. What's given you the courage to feel like you I would say, honestly, one of my biggest things that um, has probably always encouraged me to do more is I, I uh, work for, for a professor at my university um, that kind of just gave me an opportunity on a whim uh, to work in his research lab. And it was in a topic that I had no background. I hadn't taken any courses in. Um, I had really no idea what to expect, um, but I knew it was an opportunity and I knew that uh, he would be someone that would be willing to mentor me and um, take time to answer my questions when I would have them. Um, so I took a risk and joined a, a research lab with no idea what to expect or um, kind of what the demands or expectations would be from me. Um, and through that, I learned a lot and I learned that like, it's totally okay to not know what's going on. You just have to be willing to uh, dig and kind of find the questions that need to be answered. Um, and also just like kind of having meetings with him weekly um, he would ask questions in a way that, uh, at first I was, I was scared to get wrong. <laughs> I like, I think that I had like this, this, I don't know, this pressure on myself that anything that he asked me, I needed to know the answer to. Um, and eventually we became close enough and I realized that whenever he was asking me those questions, he really just wanted me to think and to not be afraid to be wrong. Um, and so we really didn't reach that point until it had been almost a year working together. Um, and we sat down for coffee one day and he, he told me, um, and he said like, you do know the reason why I asked you to join my lab, right? And I said, no, <laughs> I have no idea why you would have picked me. <laughs> I know. And I, and yeah, I, I want to know I, now. I said, absolutely not. Yeah, he was like, why? I, I could see that you have a natural um, tendency to be curious. And I said, how can you tell that? Uh, and he yeah. said, well, you are always thinking about what you were being told rather than just listening and like regurgitating it, I guess. Um, so it was mm. active listening that he felt was one of the things that kind of was able to set me apart and to be able to be successful and be curious, um, curious enough that it wasn't I was going to take an extra step to find out the answers to my questions, whether that was, you know, doing some research on my own or asking him or finding a, uh, a textbook or that kind of thing. And it was um, encouraging to realize that you don't have to be the creative type or the innovative type. You just have to be curious, be curious about the things that are around. Yeah. You. It's again, another skill yeah. where it's like, how do you do that? Like, what does that mean? Be curious. What does it mean knowing about yourself? It's like, <laughs> What do all these things mean? And, you know, 
often we're so concerned with putting a label on ourselves like I am an engineer I am a lawyer and it's like you know engineers at the end of the day are just problem solvers you know and yes we happen to be good at math and physics but you don't have to be good at maths and physics to actually do engineering I mean James Dyson one of the most powerful engineers to have come out of the UK recently studied art you know so I think yeah curiosity is a really great skill to have Um, but you also mentioned hard work like you know do you think people your age or maybe younger are are scared to work hard or maybe they're working harder than ever like what's your opinion on that Ooh, I think that there's kind of a mix of both. I would say that Mm. I've, you know, I've been around people who think that no matter how hard they work, they won't be given the opportunities that they think they deserve. Um, Mm, Which probably makes them feel, why should I bother? Right. So why spend the time? Why, you know? do something that's not enjoyable (laughs) Um, if there's going to be no reward. But then I also think um, there are many people now who work hard because that's what everybody's doing. And if you're not working hard, you're definitely not going to have a chance or you're definitely not going to, you know, get that dream job or get into the dream university or graduate program. Um, So I think that there's a lot of competitiveness now too, um, with people who kind of have the opposite mindset. Um, but then if you have both of those camps, you have people who uh, mm. maybe didn't realize that they need to be working hard at the beginning of their career. And then they feel like, oh, why start now? There's so many people who've been doing more, had more opportunities than me, and I'll never be that way. Um, I think that a lot of people can kind of put themselves into that category also. Um, but I think it's important to help people like that realize that there's no limits on potential um, and you can kind of make your own time frame. It doesn't have to be constructed by what you think society expects you to be doing at a certain point in time. Yeah, because I know in my engineering days, um, I wasn't necessarily the smartest kid in the class, but I really worked hard um, to achieve what I have achieved and definitely for me hard work replaced not being you know the brightest kid um and I feel like we're living in an era where you know what you see on social media um almost kind of covers up the fact that hard work really is required in order to get somewhere in life like even you know the Instagram stars work really hard to create their brand you know it doesn't just happen um but when you look on Instagram like you do see someone with a million followers that appears to have not done much other than be themselves um, to get that. And it's just so sort of like (laughs) um, delusional. Uh, But, you know, what I love about STEM subjects is the fact that, you know, we are dealing with reality and kind of truth in a way, because, you know, with Newton's laws of motion, for example, like you can't cheat them. They just are what they are. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um and I just love the fact that science is so real what do you make of that like do you do you do you think I'm talking nonsense 
<laughs> no, I definitely don't think you're talking nonsense. I think that that's something that um, I definitely agree with. I think that's something that is very exciting about science and math. And uh, it's something that's concrete and not opinionated, I guess. Um, I think mm -hmm. that there's a yeah. lot of things that um, you can have different opinions on, you know, whether it's politics or uh, policy that, you know, different countries are implementing for various topics. And, you know, there's always going to be different viewpoints, but science and technology is something that could really unite people yeah. because if it's used the right way, um, all it can do is benefit mm. us. Uh, and it's a universal totally. language. Because you are in the thick of studying biomedical engineering. Um, do you think that actually it is for a specific personality type? Like, forget gender for now. Like, is engineering best for certain types of people? And if so, um, what would those people be like? Ooh, I think that uh, you kind of mentioned earlier a problem solver is what an engineer is. And I think that that's the main requirement. I don't think that it's necessarily a personality type. Um, I think that I have several people in my courses that are um, very different in, uh, you know, their personalities. But the thing that unites us all is the fact that we are curious. Um, we are willing to work hard to figure things out. And uh, ultimately, we're all excited about solving problems. Um, and I think that those are the main things rather than, uh, you know, a certain... I'm outgoing, you're introverted, uh, or things like that kind of personality traits. Mm. And actually, those different personality traits are exactly what companies are crying out for because they really want diversity. Um, you know, it, diversity brings a variety to any team. Um, right. But I guess maybe what I was asking you was more of a... Um, do you think STEM is for women? Um, you know, because when I was doing my engineering, I was surrounded by guys. Um, and I usually was the only woman in the group. Um, I guess what I'm asking you is, you know, do you think STEM is for women, um, given that you are in it? Because my experience was I often felt like every day of my engineering career that I was in the wrong place because there just wasn't anyone like me there. Um, and I wonder whether you ever feel that in your life, <laughs> your engineering life. Yeah, I would say that um, I've definitely felt both ways. I think that I agree uh, there have been times where I definitely didn't feel like it was my place, um, specifically like in a manufacturing environment. Um, <laughs> there were comments sometimes that, uh, you know, why are, why are you dressed nicely? <laughs> or why did you put makeup on to come to work? And I'm like, well, because I like to look presentable when I go to work. It's not to impress any of you. <laughs> um, that kind of thing. Uh, it's like, I, I don't know. Um, but for, you know, in those situations when I was the only girl, 
uh, or, you know, I was somehow bringing a new idea to the table uh, and people seemed surprised by that. I was like, hmm, <laughs> that's kind of one of, that's kind of an interesting uh, feeling that I guess I hadn't really had before. Um, like in the classroom setting, I've always had at least a couple other girls that we would kind of bond together and, you know, make our own group uh, so that we didn't feel alone. Um, but whenever I've been in situations where I have really been alone, um, but still tried to contribute, um, it's amazing how once you give one good perspective and follow through on it, how all of a sudden uh, the tides just kind of shift. And I can, I at least like felt the respect but prior to that, it was very much, you know, why is, why is she here? Yeah. Um, you know, why okay, is she so, sitting on this meeting? <laughs> so tell me, like, literally in detail, how you managed to be resilient um, amongst those sorts of opinions. Yeah. Um, so the situation that comes to mind is kind of uh, funny. I was an intern for a company and... Um, they were going through this uh, kind of off-the-wall abnormal quality issue uh, with one of their like packaging processes. Um, and so I was like week two on the job, really had no idea what I was doing. But my manager said, mostly because I think he didn't really know what to do with me at the time, uh, he was like, come with me to this meeting. So I said, okay, of course. Um and so I sat down in the meeting and then, you know, the people, I was, I was about 15 minutes early, um, <laughs> which ended up being 20 minutes early because everyone else was five minutes late. Um, and I was the only girl in the room. I was also the only person probably under the age of 40. Um, and all of a sudden, so all of, all of these older engineers and manufacturing personnel came in and uh, they set up a a phone call with some vice presidents up in the company. And uh, I was like, oh my goodness, what am I sitting in on? <laughs> and why am I here? Um, and then about 30 minutes into the conversation, um, they were kind of going back and forth and talking about uh, an issue that where they were having. And something inside of me was just like, Savannah, you know what the problem is you talked to the manufacturing lead on the line about it yesterday, just say something. And it took a lot out of me to speak up, but I was like, if I don't do it now, I never will. Yeah. Like what are the odds that I'll get in this situation again? Mm. Um, being, being in that position of like opportunity. Yeah. Um, so I chimed in and I said, I talked to, I think her name was uh, Edna, and I said, I talked to her yesterday, and she said, you know, it was this, this, and this, and they looked at me like, oh, you're in here. <laughs> you exist. And then someone that was on the phone call said, who was that? <laughs> they literally said, who is that? Uh, and then my manager spoke up and said who I was, and that just made me feel very even though it, at the end of the day, did it really contribute that much? But no. it must have been so but empowering. It, it was. And it was, uh, you know, and the fact, too, that he was willing to stand up and say, this is who right. she is. 
and even if that name means nothing to them, um, it was it was a yeah. nice little moment of of pride for me, and it it gave me some confidence to know that like my voice does matter, um, and just not to lose sight of that, even whenever there is uh, pressure yeah. to not. Yeah, I mean, you put yourself out there, and I guess it's even if you feel it's small looking back, like it's the small frequent small things that make a big difference um and it's just you know the courage to have been able to do that to speak up I mean most people would have said oh I'm not going to say anything but you know what I'm thinking that they must have really believed in you for you to have even attended the meeting yeah and I really don't know why (laughs) because it was week two and I hadn't done anything yet you know it's like what 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 is it? Is it, I don't know what the, the key is. And I hope we always that question day I'll be able to, I know. And I think I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's a female trait. We're always asking ourselves why, and we analyze everything and we're like trying to work out, you know, um, why things unfold the way they do. I, I think it's evolutionary and biological that we do that as women, um, but it doesn't help us, particularly if we're in a male-dominated environment, because men can think in such a binary way. And I know, you know, I deserve a slap wrist <laughs> for um, speaking in such kind of like general terms about men and women. But, you know, in my experience, men do tend to be a lot more binary and see things in a kind of simplistic way. Um and so women can often come across as being quite crazy um, because they're overthinking <laughs> and overanalyzing. And I just wish we could live in a world where um, we're just accepted for the kind of character traits that we have and not looked down upon, right. you know, because, you know, the fact that you and I overanalyze maybe is actually a good thing. Because without overanalyzing, we wouldn't get stuff done and we wouldn't do things the way we do things. And the way we do things is great. Um, So I just feel like, uh, first of all, well done you for having that bravery to speak up in the meeting amongst all those men. Um, But also, you know, let's take that one step further where you can be proud of what you did um, and kind of do it more and not ever question yourself for doing something like that that's definitely where I want to be yeah yeah and it will take a lifetime right probably (laughs) probably (laughs) I mean in terms of like the other things that women do with their lives um, I'm always curious to know what my guests' opinions are on sort of motherhood and relationships because often women in STEM can be, uh, it can be a long academic road or just quite a long career path to get anywhere as a woman in STEM. Um, how do you envisage that motherhood will fit into it? Oh, that's honestly probably one of the biggest things that terrifies me. <laughs> Um, because I think that that's something that I definitely want. Um, but I also know that that's an entire life that you have to care about 
or lives. Um, and just there's the amount of responsibility both to that human as well as to yourself is it's going to be an insane thing to try to manage. And, um, I think that, uh, a lot of, a lot of opportunities could be potentially missed because of that. And it's going to be an interesting, um, decision that I'll have to make eventually one day I hope mm. yeah <laughs> um, when you say it terrifies you what exactly <laughs> creates the fear just sacrifice yeah um I think is what it is because it's you know I've I've worked so hard to be where I am and I know that whenever that time comes in my life it'll probably have several more years of work invested in trying to be where I want to be and um, knowing that motherhood might be one of the biggest rewards as one of the biggest sacrifices that I ever mm-hmm. make in my life is kind of scary and not knowing what I'll have to give up or potentially, you know, just choose not to do. Mm. Um, yeah, it's tricky. And I'm assuming you're in your twenties. Um and it's probably not yeah. uh, a time where you have to really make decisions. But I do find it quite amazing that as a woman, um, like time just disappears. Like it's just things happen so fast. And, you know, particularly if you're ambitious and career minded and, you know, before you know it, um, decisions have to be made. Um, and it's just, you know, I wish someone had told me that when I was in my twenties, because when I was in my twenties, I was like, Oh, I don't need to think about it now. It'll be fine. And then as I got more and more successful (laughs) or more and more in the direction that I wanted my career to go, I didn't want anything to jeopardize my trajectory. Um, And so it's, I I just find it fascinating how different women uh, tackle it. And, you know, again, it's very interesting to hear, the perspective of someone like you because you sound very ambitious and very capable in STEM but at the same time you know that you want a family one day so I'm always so curious to know like what the thoughts are in the mind of someone like you um and I guess it's uh really could be summarized as it will work itself out (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I think that with me really not knowing where I'm gonna be in five ten years from now it's kind of hard to let those kinds of what ifs or uh, those kinds of decisions like having a family really weigh on into whatever I do now Um, and I kind of hope that in an ideal scenario my next you know five to 10 years is traveling as much as I can seeing as much as I can and um, just getting to know the world more. And then that way, when I am in a position where I'm ready to have a family, I won't feel like I'm missing out as much because I've gotten a chance to do what I think I want to do. And I think another thing that I hope for is to have a supportive environment where if I am still in a position where I can do those things and it's, you know, it's calling me to travel for a week at a time or something like that, that I 
will have resources that I can, you know, kind of rely on my family or friends to help me be able to do both. Um, but that's only something I think that you kind of just have to pray for and that you hope works out, but I don't want to not have a career or not have a family out of fear of one or the other. So it sounds like you have, you know, a plan for the next five or 10 years um, in terms of where you want your career to go. Um, Given what you've experienced so far in biomedical engineering and STEM, um, what advice would you give to um, any sort of younger girls who are following in similar footsteps to you? My biggest piece of advice would be don't be afraid to be who you are. Um, I think that that's one of my things that I thought would limit me. Um, being from kind of a, a place in the U.S. that's less known for their innovation and engineering uh, prestige, Um I think that I originally kind of had an impression that that might limit me and my opportunities, but um, ultimately it doesn't. (laughs) Um, Not if you're willing to kind of just not see those barriers and to push past them. Um, And just from the perspective of being a woman, um, don't be afraid to speak up. your voice needs to be heard because just like anyone else's, um, everybody has different opinions and they're all valuable. Um, so you bring something to the table that no one else has, uh, and don't ever forget that. I think, uh, lastly, um, it's also very important to find a support system because as women, um, we're going to be challenged a lot in uh, our participation in the STEM field and um, having role models or peers, uh, whether they're women or not, um, that is very important for you to be successful. Um, And uh, just take advantage of the resources that you have and, you know, find somebody if not many people (laughs) that see your potential and your dreams and help you achieve them um, because that will make those challenges so much easier to to tackle. Wow. What an amazing synopsis and such wise words. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed uh, speaking with you today. Thank you. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Gosh, I mean, For someone so young, I have to say, she offered such inspiring words of wisdom, but also reassurance. Um, I guess having just spoken in a school this morning and hearing what it's like for young people to be in a minority or be female in a very male-dominated world, um, hearing from someone so young is just exactly the kind of advice that um, I'm sure the students that I spoke to today and you as listeners um, would find helpful and comforting. Thank you so much for listening this week. Don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on Silence.